ever since Wednesday, I can tell I'm getting a cold. And so I'm just hoping it doesn't come or when she gets here, it's not like full blast. Oh, no, but she needs to be aware that you're like of your immune system. Uh, that's true. <laughs> she that's, she needs to understand what we all come to understand. Yeah. But you know what? The last I haven't had, I haven't had like a straight up cold for maybe three or four months now, which is a long time for me. That's impressive. I think uh, I haven't had a full on straight on cold for less two or three years. Oh, wow. You're so cool. <laughs> the last two or three years. Uh, well, I don't even remember like what a, what happens when you have a cold. Do you? Do, is that the thing where you... Do you shit yourself? No, man. That's not a cold. Yeah. Oh, okay. If you don't remember, I'll just tell you. A cold is when <laughs> you have liquid coming out your nose uh, or just plugged up in your nose. Uh-huh. And then you're coughing are you familiar with coughing have you yeah. done that recently yeah, I, I, not, not recently but i know what it is okay <laughs> coughing is when your soul tries to escape oh okay all right yeah all and I, your throat fights to keep it down but it can't so the the end result is you just went <coughs> and you're oh is that what that is okay. yeah and that's right. li- those are little bits of your soul so that's why when people have too many colds <laughs> they start to have this just like lifeless look to them and that's okay. science oh okay perfect I, I will add that to my notes When's the last time you had the flu? Man, I had I got really really sick two almost two and a half years ago. Like I was at work and I started feeling like shit, and the people at work are like, "You need to go home." So I was I got in my car and I told Taylor I said, "Hey, I'm I'm not teaching tonight. Victor's covering." She's like, oh, "Okay." She goes, "Do you want to pick up food on the way home? Do we can have dinner?" I'm like, "Yeah." So I stopped somewhere to pick up food. I remember where, and I remember like shaking in line, and then like. <laughs> getting back to the car and like driving to the house and I remember having to focus because I was like had no strength to turn the wheel or anything and then by the time I got home I struggled to put the the key <laughs> in the in the yeah it was bad and then like I went upstairs and I took a shower and I slept and then Taylor woke me up I don't know late at night and she was like um are you okay you've been sleeping all day and I'm like yeah I don't feel good and I went to the bathroom to puke and I said, just leave me here. I'm just going to sleep right here. And I slept like with my head propped up on the toilet seat. Yeah. I think I do remember that now. Yeah, you that missed, was rough. You missed quite yeah. a few days at the gym. Yeah, it was like two days. I think I missed two. I was gone for two days. Yeah. yeah. Uh, part of me wonders that when you are a person who hasn't had a flu or a cold in a while, and then you get it and it's bad, I don't think it's that bad. I think you're just not used to getting it. And so the rest of it, it's like a guy who doesn't work out and shows up to a workout. <laughs> oh. he, he's just dying. He's like, what is this? feeling that my body is experiencing so what you're saying is you're just this is part of your routine you're just preparing and being ready for it i think now i'm just better at having colds gotcha and so when i get them i'm like here we go again i'll get the kleenex and then i'll be probably out of commission for (laughs) for a day and a half and i'm used to it you think your body's dying and you're walking up to the door with a shaking hand going i I may not live to see tomorrow Well, I hope that you continue to have perfect health and that, <laughs> and that I continue to just be a sick little shit for the rest of our, my life. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Just Jiu-Jitsu Podcast. I'm Andrew Dizimoni with... Croyler. And I don't need any reminders because I'm a big boy and I remember yeah, these he, things now. Yeah, nailed this one. I was getting ready to like, so who are we again? <laughs> no, I got this. It only took 36 episodes for me to figure this out. Oh, wow. Sooner or later, I'll figure out how to work mics properly. And I, I, I apologize to everyone out there for a couple... We've had a couple episodes where the sound hasn't been fantastic and everyone's been very kind, but they've said, hey... Good job. Maybe when you have a second, could you make the audi- the audio like actually audible? We had an iTunes review. Person was nice. Said thanks, guys. Good episode or good show. Thanks, appreciate that. And then it said, please fix your your auto audio oh, settings. Perfect. <laughs> and I can't argue with that. That guy is a hundred percent accurate. Yeah, he's blunt. He's blunt. Yeah, he's, I he's appreciate right that. on point. And no, we're going to stick to our guns and we're not going to fix our audio. Hey, you're the mastermind behind this. That's right. I I should take a picture of where the knobs are right now because I think this sounds okay. But if, let's say, someone came in here and just, we have the Halloween party in a couple weeks. If someone came in and jostled it. Yeah, it's going to, the party's at my house. It's our gym Halloween party. If someone came in here and moved these around, 
we just have to quit the podcast. That would be a problem. It would just be done. <laughs> uh, I, I would come on and I would have one last message. It would be like, oh, I haven't figured out how to figure this out. So this is the end of the show. And that would be it. That would be it, yeah. Yeah, we'd go off in uh, just a little f- fizzle of glory. <laughs> so today's episode is a close to home episode. It's, it is, isn't it? It's going to be not about me, but I certainly... I certainly, I think, inspired this episode, and hopefully, from me, people can learn about this one. Absolutely. If if I had music right now, it'd be like dun 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 dun, and it would it would then go into like a slow dramatic piano, and I would start talking about well, when I first started jujitsu, and it it, it, would, it would people would be like this haunting sound, what's about to happen. So, anyways, let's just cut to the chase. So you're gonna play like fur Elise. Yeah. Now you do the strings. I can't do that. Okay. Well. I mean, technically, I don't know if that song has strings. No, it's all piano. Just piano. Yeah. All piano. Yeah. You're doing it so well. I was. Okay. Before we move on, you don't want to do your own rendition of 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 that song. No. Okay. All right, well, we'll move on. Uh, that, actually, that song I learned on the piano when I was in junior high because I wanted to impress a girl named Elise, but didn't work out. Anyways, uh, we'll move on. <laughs> you want me to I play? hope that's a true story. It is a true story. Oh, wow. You're going to have to do it something. We have a piano at my house. Uh, well, the funny <laughs> thing is now all I would remember is the da-da-da-da-da. Maybe da-da-da-da. And I think that would be about all I can remember. That's okay. We're going to have to do it next time you're over. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I'll find her on Facebook and I'll send her the video too. And it just that, work now. just yeah. that, yeah, just that. And she'll see how much I loved her. Okay, so that's not what this episode is about. This episode it's getting close to home. People are thinking, okay, we're gonna hear him talk about someone he liked in junior high. This is the worst topic ever. This is not jujitsu. All right, so this was inspired by Tuesday. You and I were rolling, right, and. I rolled with you last, and so I'm at my best, which right. is which is soggy. Hey, I also rolled with you last. No, I know. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I I come up. I'm like, all right, sweet Croiler. You're fun to roll with because you're. While I do end up exhausted and worn out by the end, you can roll like me. Right. So you can make the roll. I'm not. It's not like I'm rolling with a big guy when I do it. Right. I'm rolling with someone who's surprisingly nimble for being an ogre. Thanks. You're welcome. I, I, I actually can't argue that description. No, that is also factual. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also science. <laughs> the nimble ogre. Yeah. That, that could be your uh, your yeah. sign on. There you go. It's better than Froggy. Uh, yeah. So we're rolling, and we get done, and afterwards you're 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 very f- nice. Like, hey, good job. That was a good roll. You just need to make sure. And you had a couple notes. You said one. You need to put deodorant on. People have been complaining. Two, brush your teeth. Your breath is horrible. Three, wipe your ass. And that so, was it. So that's a, yeah, that was it. So this one is this episode's about personal hygiene. No, you said I'll paraphrase, but I think the gist of it was you need to be more confident. You need to act faster when you have like a submission in your sights. The setups are there, but you're not finishing confident, confidently. And also after it, here's what I got. You need to stop being so fucking nice. <laughs> Well, yes and no. So this is one of these topics that's really hard to talk about because if you don't explain it well enough, somebody will take this and run with it as an excuse to be a complete dick. Right. And that's that's not what this is, right? So, yeah. So basically what I told Andrew was, you know, we, we rolled and, you know, I, I always try to roll with people to their level, maybe a little bit ahead because I want to push them, but never to the point where it's not fun. You know what I mean? Because then it's not fun for me. And and Andrew did a really good job. He got into some really cool submission setups and some really near attempts. And um, the 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 problem was while the attempts and the setups and the entries and, and even the controlling of the submissions was very, very good, far better than, than what I had I had anticipated, he lacked the ability to pull the trigger in a timely manner right so it's not that he doesn't know how to finish a guillotine or an armbar or a normal plata or, or a submission he does but it was more so there was a little bit of um almost like a, a pause you know for those of you that have watched boraz when he's learning the <laughs> the not jokes you know? <laughs> and he's like haha not and pause 
not. <laughs> That's kind of what it felt like. I like that. I, my my my, ju- my jujitsu is the Borat of the jujitsu world. Well, in the in the moment, right? Yes. <laughs> you know, and and you know, I I told him, I said, you know, you need to be a little bit more confident in what you have because sometimes there, there's two kinds of personalities when you're grappling uh, when it comes to submissions, right? There's the guys that don't have anything. And by God, they believe they do. And they burn a lot of energy. They yank on things. They crank on things that aren't quite perfect. And, and they can be successful because they intimidate a lot of people because of the, the aggression and the suddenness of it. That um, also causes a lot of injuries. And then you have the people on the other side who are very slick, who are very methodical, who get these beautiful setups. But they're kind of, um, they lack a little bit of the confidence when it comes down to finishing because they either feel confident enough that they've got it and it's okay and they just want to move on and keep the game going because they're fun or they're afraid of a repercussion. What happens if I fail at the submission and they get out, right? Then I lose this control that I currently have. Um, and, and I think for you, it's more of the loss of control, necess- not necessarily the the fear of somebody beating you up because you know you tried submitting mm-hmm. as i thought about it there are different reasons but i think a big part of it is the risking of uh, the risk of losing control right and so a lot of times i find myself where i'm actually what do you, what do you charge per hour for this is kind of like therapy so do you charge your standard private no this would be 250 an hour oh jesus (laughs) hey that's therapy cost there all right guys i'm gonna start a gofundme just for this (laughs) specific episode no i will find that i let a lot of submissions pass me by because i think i'm confident in this position where i am now and so I may be able to hit this, but oh, maybe, oh, it's too late now. Right. And then, oh, this is coming here. All right, maybe I should go here. Or maybe if I just stay on top, I'll find another submit. Okay, that one's gone. And so it is a like pass, right. watching things pass you, maybe by. Yeah, or, or I mean like, or like an example like of like a guillotine, like you'll lock the guillotine in place, but you're okay with just kind of hanging on because the guillotine itself serves, serves as a form of control, mm-hmm. right? Where if you try to submit with the guillotine, Maybe they defend more aggressively. Maybe they get out, and then you lose that little bit of control. Um, it's kind of like uh, getting a triangle, which is a very controlling position, and being afraid to switch off to an armbar because you know if an armbar fails, you, you f- it's easier to feel like you've lost control. Right. Um, so it's better to for the men- I, I believe the mentality is it's better to have an imperfect triangle than a potential perfect armbar. Um, that's a that's a really common problem. It's not you know, only yours. I mean, this happens to everybody at some point in time. And it's one of these things that I tell people all the time in class, if you're, if you're, if you're winning, if you're in control, behave like it. Right. So, uh, I'm sure you've played, what's a common board game people play all the time. Shoots and ladders. I've actually never played that game. <laughs> uh, Monopoly. So, okay, I've heard that one. So I played Monopoly, right? right? So you seem like you'd like Monopoly. Yeah, I've played Monopoly quite a bit. Okay. Yeah. So um, let's say you 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 know you buy all the the good stuff, all the utilities, all the the railroads or whatever the hell they're called. Yeah. All the expensive houses. You have hotels. Basically, if somebody lands in anything that you own. They're, they're, they're done, right? You just have too much buildup, too much investment. <clears throat> and everybody else is just kind of praying that the dice don't don't mess with them, right? Um, you're completely dominant at that stage. You have all the expensive places, you have hotels, you have all the utility. You have basically, everything is on your side. What do you do in a game like that? Do you play conservatively and you don't invest and you don't buy other houses, you don't make deals? Or do you act confident because you've already won the game, not just a matter of the killing blow. Now you just get to put your thumb on all the little guys and right, just smash right. them out. So, so what do you do, right? And, and you know, what, you, what I see happening when we train is you're playing conservatively. You're like, hey, I've already got this control. It's just a matter of time before something bad happens and then I, I can get them. But if I'm a little bit more aggressive, Maybe I will lose everything, lose all this control. But the reality is, if you're in control and you're winning, behave as if you're in control and you're winning. 
you know see but then i can i can rationalize it in my head there and say i'm just being patient i'm just being patient and waiting and 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 that's and that's okay right being patient is okay if it implies that you're actively looking for a way to win right so my grandfather used to say that there is between the, the beginning of an aggression and he and the, the aggression he meant like a violent act somebody attacking you right so from the beginning of, a, of an aggression of a violent act to the end there is always going to be a moment of weakness that can be exploited to your benefit right so somebody in that scenario being patient they're looking for that opening that's what he did that's what he believed in i'm looking for that opening once you see that opening you 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 have to take it mm. right so you know my grandfather talks about uh talked about right he's no longer with us um he talked about for for you know the whole point of jutsu is to conserve energy be energy efficient to what extent what is the point of being so energy efficient that you burn no energy all oh, because it's cool and you can fight forever sure that's a consequence of being energy efficient but when it comes down to it why not just use as much energy as possible and win early on? Because that's a waste of energy, mm-hmm. right? Now, if I'm energy efficient and we're grappling and I set up a submission and I'm like, okay, if I go for the submission, I can finish it or maybe I can screw up the submission and this person gets out, right? Mm-hmm. What do I do? Your, your argument is I should just stay as is and look for another submission to do what? Do the same thing right. later? Yeah. Or to use that energy that you've saved up, to use up that energy efficiency that you had to your benefit and say, you know what? In this moment, I am in control. In this moment, they're vulnerable. In this moment, I can burn all the energy I need to to get this win. I'm like the person who like saves, who makes billions of dollars and never spends any of it their right. whole life and they're just going something bad could happen yeah, yeah something, something yeah. bad could happen yeah. and then right. i die with like a ton of money in the bank or and a ton you, of energy you, in the bank and you take nothing with you yeah <laughs> <laughs> well I, I get to finish a match and go do you see how not sweaty i am right or how i was all over that guy well yeah but you didn't do anything with it right right so controlling is the most important controlling somebody in a fight in a grappling match in a physical altercation in a self-defense scenario that is the number one priority the better you control somebody the less energy you're going to use the less danger you're going to be in and the more opportunities to finish that opponent will will appear you're 100 percent right but if you are resorting only to that control then you're not taking advantage of the opportunities you're creating mm-hmm. i think i've also i put so much of an emphasis on the importance of like the setup that I put it above almost finishing sometimes. So it's like I've let like the satisfaction of that setup take place of like the satisfaction oh, of the I think submission. That, I think that's okay though, right? So again, the most common problem is most people, they just want to finish and the setup is garbage, which leads to a horrible, horrible, you know, technique. That's not your problem, right? Your setups are really good. They're really slick. They're very well timed it was very impressive on tuesday um but then you got to do something with it Mm -hmm. you know like what are you going to do now because you are right that if you're in complete control and you go for something you could make a mistake and i could take advantage of it and your argument is well if i just stay in control another opportunity will appear right but for me if I get out, if I, if, if, you know, the longer it takes you to keep the pressure on me, the more carefully I can think of an escape. Right. And Mm -hmm. then if I get out, I won't make the mistake of underestimating one of your specific setups or, you know, you, you know what I mean? Like I won't underestimate you. So I am much more likely to be cautious. I am much more likely to watch for, for the slickness and for the timing of it. Right. Um, Another opportunity for you is also another opportunity for me. And maybe I don't make the same mistake. Maybe I don't expose the same weakness. Or maybe even if you are in complete control, that might have been your only opportunity. I think that's my main reason for, for the holdups. Now, there, 
at least the holdup with you. Now, with other people, I think I can sometimes fall into the issue of being too nice. Right. Which would be- so how come you're not too nice to me? <laughs> Because you are not deserving of any affection or love. Mm. So, If I'm nice or if I'm mean to you, you're feeling the same thing. You're not, you're not going to... I'm not concerned about any pain being inflicted on you. Oh, okay. All right. All right. I can absorb well is what you're saying. That's right. You're like flubber. You just gotcha. absorb it and then put it right back. Right back. Okay. Right. Um, and so other people and I, myself, I think, would have the issue of... Sometimes we're too nice. And that would be you're rolling with someone and you think uh, it could be a number of things. I'm at someone else's school. I don't want to tap these people. That's rude, which I'm not saying it is rude. I'm saying that's like the cautious mentality. Right. Or you're at your school and you have someone who's newer and you're thinking, I want them to feel like they're doing well. I want things to go well. But then there's, I know, logically, there's a downside to that because one, it's kind of patronizing. Uh, two, it's also keeping them from noticing some of their weaknesses because I'm not capitalizing on those when other people will, and then they'll be in a worse scenario. So, yeah, be, being nice is good sometimes, but there is a, a limit to that. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and it's not just being mean to me, right? So when it's somebody that's higher ranking than you or somebody who might be more threatening to you, it's understandable to have a, a safer approach. You know, I'm going to control more attack less and kind of, you know, expose myself less in the process because this person could be more threatening, more dangerous to me. Right. Um, and, and I think you touched on a very good point because that can also happen in reverse. I am so much better than the people I'm going with that if I just go out there and I smoke them. Right. Then I'm a dick. And right. if I'm, I should be nice, but if you're always just that nice that you're too afraid to pull the trigger on the the newest people, you develop a habit of complacency where you just hang back and do nothing. Which I do sometimes. And you'll also, you've, you've called me out on that too. Going like, yep. Andrew, you have to do something, move. Right. And it is, it is that where you get into the, uh, you basically let people determine where the role goes and it you might the best of it. Yeah, and it might help like my game defensively, but offensively it doesn't help me. It puts me in the habit of just rolling like whatever the person I'm with rolls. And so yeah, there is a there is it sets up bad habits. Right. But they're not bad habits, right? Um before we go down that road, the, the whole thing about visiting a different school, that goes into like etiquette. Mm -hmm. and, and that's something that we'll have to talk on a different podcast because that's a whole different subject on itself. But um, but the, the complacency, right? So let's say flow rolling. We're going to call it flow rolling. So you roll with somebody, let's say, you know, you're almost a purple belt. You roll with a brand new white belt. They don't know anything. They can't defend themselves. They don't even know what you're doing. They're just there. So you flow roll with them. You kind of play with them. You let them do whatever you want to you and you kind of just make the best of it. There's no reason to finish it because it'd be like beating a kid. Like there's no point in it, right? So, um, and you do that, right? That needs to take place because one, it helps you learn to make the best of any situation right a white belt may act outside of the rules that are expected the norms um they're unpredictable um and they are going to use a lot more power than somebody who may be your level because they don't know any better so it helps you deal with those situations it helps you be very creative we talked about the, the creative aspect of jiu-jitsu and how important it is and, and you learn to be to work well under pressure right that is important just like being able to turn on like Claude. Claude is very good about just beating the shit out of people. He right. doesn't care, right? So um, that is also very important because Claude's a brown belt at our school. Yeah. So he needs to he needs to do that. He needs to be able to do that because um, what's the? I mean, otherwise he's going to be complacent, right? So he needs to be that guy who's very aggressive, who is attacking all the time, who is pushing, imposing his will and his jujitsu on other people and seeing how they react, right? But the reality is, if you're only doing one or the other, if you get the, the clods out there who are only attacking, who are only being aggressive, who are the people always dictating the fight, 
or the Andrews who are always flowing and accepting and counterattacking. Sure. And counterattacking and absorbing that damage and being creative. The, the problem isn't doing those acts. The problem is only doing those acts, right? It's the extremes. Like, you know, it, it goes with anything, right? So, uh, you know, is a glass of wine bad for you? Science says it's good for your heart, right? You know, so one glass a night, good for your heart. Longevity. Two cases of wine a night is bad for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you're going to have liver failure, right? I read that study all wrong. I, <laughs> I need to adjust my drinking habits. <laughs> so it's one of those things where you need a balance, right? You need to both work your defensive, your setups, your controlling ability, your ability to adapt to poor situations, your ability to adapt to good situations, the ability to know and be able to properly execute good control when the opponent is threatening, when the opponent is dangerous and looking for that perfect opportunity. Very much the same, you need to be able to be the person that is imposing their will, imposing their jiu-jitsu on other people and watching them react to that pressure, watch them react to the onslaught of attacks, watching them make the mistake and making your own opportunity to attack, right? Mm -hmm. So you need that balance because if you don't have a balance between attack and offense and you become more on the complacent side, you'll never submit anybody. The same that if you are you don't have a balance and you're always on the offensive side, you're always the guy looking to submit, someday you're gonna run into somebody that you cannot submit and then you won't have anything to fall back on. There'll be no defensive, there'll be no controlling strategy, there'll be no uh, you know, creativity, there'll be no making the best of this because you've never practiced, just like if you've never practiced submission. Right, well, See, that's just that's just too difficult. It's too complicated because that means it's not just black and white or one way the or the other. You're saying there's a gray area that you have to live in, this balance. That is correct. That's that's not I was hoping you'd give me just a very quick, like, two minutes. I was hoping this podcast would be two minutes and I could just figure it out. Yeah, no. Right. So uh, to me, about 60 to 70 percent of the time, you should roll with the intention of learning your opponent's movements, observing reactions, practicing your timing, practicing your setups, practicing your entries, um, looking for those perfect submissions, looking for those perfect openings, and taking advantage of them, right? And then the other, the remainder of the time, it should be where you're no longer looking at them and looking to control them and looking to take advantage of what they're doing, but rather to impose your will and watch them react to you. Now those percentages would probably change a little bit from skill level to like oh, belt absolutely. to belt. Yeah, absolutely. And also to what is your end goal, right? If you're going to be a high level competitor, um, aggression might be more important because you might be able to keep a, a, a very aggressive onslaught for five or 10 minutes, you know, because it doesn't matter if you burn our energy because the match will end no matter what versus uh, the guy who's doing this for fun, who is looking for more of a controlling pace and looking for the perfect setup because they don't have a lot of energy to give. They're not as young as they used to be. Then controlling becomes more important, right? Um, or if you're somebody who is, you know, like, like look at me and you, like I'm, I'm bigger than you. If we grapple, you know, and it's an even skill level, if you have the same ability as I do, the longer the match goes, the more it benefits you. Right. If our mm-hmm. skill level is the same, you will ultimately have better cardio than I will because it takes less to fuel a smaller body than it does to fuel my body. So if we were to grapple and it was the same, you know, technique level, it would make sense for you to control the match longer, not attack early on and look to drag me further into deep waters until I get tired because then every attack will be easier. But see, here's the problem. You control when we end our role. So for, <laughs> for all I know, I've drug you into those waters. Have you? And, and, you, and you have been at your breaking point, And then you just go, you panic. You ah, switch, switch. Yeah, We're I done. have. I, I'm not saying you have. I'm oh. just saying I'll never know. I mean, I, I make a habit of never saying switch right after a submission. I always go at least another round. So if I submit you once, I will go another go before I say switch. 
See, it's a likely at, le- at least another goal. Okay, I but I'm. So you're saying I haven't been I haven't been close to just like gassing you and wiping you out. No. Well, it's funny though. So, what's it like as a black belt where essentially all your roles are these roles where you're coming down and having to roll light with people? Because as we're talking about being nice, that has to be that's like your life. That's, that's very that, difficult. It's all me. you do now. Yeah, you have to just be the the nice guy who rolls down so, to people. So that's some that's a very common issue at like uh, when you see black belts instructing, right? Mm-hmm. So um, on one hand. There, there's there's several schools of thought on this you know one of, one of the most common schools of thought is as a black belt i should beat the shit out of my students because if i do that i will show them that i'm tough i will show them that they need to learn from me i will expose their weaknesses and i get to continue training you know for the kill right that's one train of thought but it's actually very weak because it doesn't just because you're submitting somebody over and over it does not mean that you've improved you may have gotten better at what you know, but it doesn't mean that what you know has grown in quality or in quantity. Um, but that's very common. It's an easy, cheap solution to I'm the best guy in class. What do I do? Um, and then the other mentality is I should let them do whatever they want, whenever they want. And I will tap to them and I will let them submit me and it's all fun and games and they will respect me because I'm allowing them to do that. Right, and I can see their growth and so on. That's also not good because then you're the extreme opposite where you're just letting people do things to you. It leads to more injuries, it leads to more inflammated joints, it leads to more aches and pains. You don't develop a defensive game and you completely forego your offensive game. So the question is, is what what should the higher belt do in class, right? That that's tough, right? For me. Personally, I have, it's always been, has always, always, always been, it's come very natural to me to be, to be like more like on the darker side of things where I have absolutely no problem crushing somebody that's a hundred pounds lighter than me. (laughs) Right. Like, I don't feel bad about it. I don't feel about, I don't feel bad at all. Like when I feel, you know, my knee crushing in or my pressure or when you're out of breath and you clearly cannot move. None of that bothers me. I sleep. You guys can't see right now, but he's he's licking his lips and like he, he's, there's just a smirk on his face. It's well, very maniacal. It's always been that way for me. It's been very easy. Like when I'm grappling, I'm grappling. I don't. Does not matter who you are, right? Um, but I can't do that, right? So I've become very good at rolling people at people's levels, and it doesn't matter if they're you know. Uh, a brand new white, a brand new black belt, a brand new white belt. It doesn't matter if they've been a black belt for a little bit, but maybe they can't deal with with my size. If it's the the brand new fourteen year old girl that comes in who doesn't know anything about anything, it could be the purple belt, it could be the aggressive brown belt like Claude, it could be you know the good slick blue belt like you. Um, I'm very good at matching that level, and the reason why I do that it's it's one of three things. One. It's more fun for me. While I have no problems crushing the life out of people and being a jerk and getting every submission that I want, it is not fun in the sense of the game. I really enjoy the game. I enjoy the exchanges. I enjoy the reactions. I enjoy seeing people try to set me up and then me counterattacking and watching their reaction to that. Like I enjoy the 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 exchange mm-hmm. right and if i'm so overly dominant then there's no there's no um exchange doesn't happen right right um it's like a video game where if you've played it a lot and you're really good at it if you just put the setting all the way to to easy it's not fun you're just gonna yeah you're gonna you're gonna blow through it no challenge so yeah. you're able to as an experienced uh black belt like almost change the difficulty by absolutely. kind of bringing your skills down. Right, absolutely. And not not just to the based on their level, but also based on what their goals are. You know, you, we may have a, a blue belt who is an avid competitor and a blue belt who is doing it for fun. So I can't base it just strictly on belt, but more so on ability and intensity and so on. And I'll just match it. I have no problem doing that. You're like a simulation, like yeah, combat simulation. Yes. You, I, I can walk in and go, right. and this is what I'll do. I'll, I'll, I'll just 
start poking my <laughs> finger around on his belly and go boop, 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 boop. And I go, uh, combat simulator. I would like, my goal is to compete at the 135 level at a blue belt advanced level. And then I, I put my finger on his belly button and go, what? And he goes, processing, processing. I don't think it works quite like that. And then he rolls at that level. It's very, it takes a lot of knowledge and understanding to be able to do that. And I thank you for that. Yeah, no problem. Um, but also the, the other reason, the second reason is it lowers injury rates on both parties. So any black belt out there, I don't care who they are. I don't care if it's the, whoever your favorite no geek grappler, your favorite geek grappler any anybody any black belt that has been a black belt for a while if they tell you that they roll at a hundred percent level every day they're lying because it's not that they don't want to it's not that they can't it's that it leads to injuries right um not only does it lead to injuries because you're you're expecting your body to to not only function optimally but to function at a hundred percent you know, optimal behavior. So everything will be hard pull, a fast spin, a, a, a very aggressive, you know, jerk and things like that. And, and sometimes your body just cannot take that abuse, not for prolonged periods of time. Um, and, and there's a very good example for those of you listening. Um, look up Hannah, Hannah Gracie goes 100% with Purple Belt. I think that's what the name of the video is. It was a very interesting video. It came out maybe about eight or nine years ago. Uh, he was at a seminar and one of the purple belts there said, Hey, like let loose, just go as hard as you can go. And Henry, I love you, but, uh, you looked very sloppy and this happens because there's a huge disparity in ability and reaction and knowledge in both parties. Henner was acting, dictating the pace of the fight, going very fast, very aggressive and it led to, he expected the purple belt to be able to, at 100%, right? You're, you're, you're grappling, whenever I go 100%, I'm expecting the guy that I'm going with to be of such high level that I need to go 100%. So when I set up my attacks and I'm sweeping and attacking and it's a whirlwind of pain, I'm expecting you to keep up which is gonna lead me further down a series of attacks, a chain of attacks. Now, what happens when I'm expecting you to behave a certain way? Because I am going 100% and you don't. You're preparing for things that aren't happening. Right, I'm whiffing, essentially. And mm -hmm. there's a, the video is only like two and a half minutes long or three minutes long, I think. Um, I don't remember exactly the time now, but he, he starts in guard. He's like, his legs are all over the place. This guy can't keep up with his legs. Hanner sweeps, gets to mount, arm bars this guy. This guy has, has, Henry was so fast and so slick. This guy didn't even realize he got swept. So Henry whiffed on armbar. He went on armbar. He crossed his arms in the air. The arm was not there. He completely whiffed, went right back to the bottom. So he was overestimating the skills of the person he's going with. That's what is expected at that level, mm -hmm. right? If I go 100%, I'm expecting you to keep up with me. Right. Otherwise, I whiff. You're not where I expected you to be. I'm trying to think of an example. So, um, okay. I'm sure you've played first person shooters, right? Mm -hmm. Games, Call of Duty, right? So let's say there's a map that you know where all the people that camp and shoot from. And you know it there. They're, they're good people. They're slick. They hide well. And they know where you are. And, you know, you're expecting them to come a certain way because that's the best route, right? Mm -hmm. And you you're just you're just ready and then they come out from the most obvious way that you're not expecting because that's not what the best person would do they don't follow the rules because they can't keep up with the rules they can't keep up with the pace so while henner is very good in that match he did not look as good as when he went like a more real role with Hiron. You know, there's a match where uh, there's a, a footage of somebody asked Hiron henner to kind of go at it Right, it was a camp that they did in Florida, I think. I don't remember. And they start with a gi, man, and they're going at it hard. Geese come off, they just keep going, no gi, and it's very aggressive. And they're both going, if not 100%, very close to. Hanner looked much better. Even though he was not always in the better of the exchanges with Hiron, he looked much better than when he went with that purple ball. 
because he didn't whiff as much because Hiron could keep up with him. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's the second reason, right? If you if you go 100% with people that can't keep up, you're, you're going to look sloppy. Your techniques are going to be off. You're going to force things that aren't there because they're not there. They've not reacted in time. We're a little off on a tangent of like what it's like to be a black belt, but that's okay because I, I have another question that, huh? that I've thought of. Is it common as a black belt for you when you see someone is, let's say they start their own school, uh-huh. is the fear a lot of times they will stop progressing in their own personal journey because they now will be the top of the food chain in that school and they'll just focus on the people under them rather than focusing on themselves? I'm, I'm sure it's a very common fear. In fact, I would wager that it is a very common fear because... The argument is if there's nobody better than me at the school, how could I possibly improve? And then to to anybody that believes that, there's the ultimate answer of, you know, the last last two world tournaments that Hajar competed in the Gi and he won, he was training in London. He was no longer training in California or in Rio or New York, where he had access to, you know, 20, 30, 50 black belts a day. He was training in his own school where he had access to whites and blue belts, and he still came out and won. I didn't know that. Yeah, so... It is a common fear because we all fear being left behind. We all fear lack of, of progress. We all fear losing. That's It's a common thing, right? Um, well, it seems like it would be easy to also... You have to put more effort in for your own personal development. Absolutely. You have, you have to be diligent. You have to be disciplined. Yeah, you, you have to teach the people underneath you and then also search for knowledge and search for how you're going to grow, which is so different. I mean, we've rolled where I'm doing the same thing over and over and over. And then like, I will move on and go right back to it and do it again. And we've rolled where I don't necessarily let you move too much. We've rolled where I do fair exchanges. Why do I do that? I would say you're, you're either trying to, get me to do things or you're working on stuff on your own trying to put yourself in positions yes but i'm i that is correct ultimately it comes down to that i want you to move a certain way or behave a certain way or see something that i'm doing and or i'm working on a specific setup or a specific attack or a specific i you know concept and um i've gotten i've i've been at this for a long enough time and i don't want anybody to think that like i have a huge huge ego because i really don't um he does no i've I've gotten good enough over the years to where i can make it so that the thing that i want to work on that i want to improve and develop and sharpen in my game also benefits you even if you're not aware of it (laughs) that that's another level it's just more practice so you're able to work on something but then wrap that into a role that the us other person can benefit even even if they're not aware of it the better people are aware of it right so i was one with claude and you know claude is a bottom guy he plays guard he's got a an incredible close guard and the last few times we've rolled i think i mentioned the show even that like he never gets to mount right but he also never goes to my close guard either because he never gets on top so i rolled with him Monday, I think. Passed his guard and mounted. I rolled right to the bottom. You know, he was trying to escape, quote unquote, escape my, my mount. I kind of accepted it. He was in my close guard, played that, swept him and got on top. He tried escaping again. I rolled right back to the bottom. I was working my close guard that day. Work, work, boom, swept, got right on top. And then he started trying to defend and escape. And I rolled to, the, to my bottom again. And uh, he was like, why, why are you doing that? Like it, fi- it finally clicked. He's like, there's no way I got out of your mount three times in like five minutes. He's like, well, why are you doing that? I'm like, well, one, it's easier on my knees. My knees are a little bit flared up. Two, you never work on my closed guard. You never, you don't spend a lot of time trying to pass it because you're never there, which means you don't get to develop a passing, a closed guard passing game, right? And, and three, it forces me to revisit or resharpen certain setups with a brown belt it's very good and your decision to put him in that position is it because you're sitting there saying you know what this person's at a point where i think they could help me hone in on this area well absolutely it's not going to do any good if you had the uh, like a white belt get to that spot well, well absolutely but everybody can everybody helps me get better right um it depends on how i'm training so um we mentioned early on that the white belt 
is the the wild card, right? Not because they're wild in and of themselves, but because they don't follow the rules because they don't know the rules, right? What's the first thing you're taught? Like if somebody mounts, don't push them off your chest, right? Because you're gonna expose your arms to an arm bar. So if you're only rolling with black belts, guess what never happens to you? They never push your chest. And then you can have a really good black belt, get to mount and be surprised by a white belt that's aggressive, it's athletic, just shoves your, you know, you off your chest. fly right off. <laughs> and, and maybe you recover because you're a black belt. Maybe you just fly right off and you go, God damn it, this fucking white belt, you know? The same you can learn from blue belts who are now aware of what you're trying to do to them. They Maybe they can't stop it, but they're aware and they can see a pattern to your attack and they can try to avoid that pattern, which now you get to work on reactions. You get to see how they're reacting to your attacks and you can map those reactions out and then you can attack those reactions, right? You can take the purple belts who understand that you're making, you're manipulating the role and you're making them move a certain way that leads to their ultimate doom and they look to throw a you know something out of left field that you're not expecting that still benefits them versus the white belt that doesn't know what benefits them right they're they're going to be the guys that are just trying to do something different to kind of break the pattern you have the brown belts who are going to be guys that are trying to impose their will onto you make you react to them and that puts a different pressure on you to where you get somebody to your level black belt who who can push you as you push them, who can expose your weaknesses as you expose them. It, it all comes down to becoming self-aware and analyzing, you know, and if you can be self-aware and you can self-critique and you can self, you know, assess, you can improve with just about anybody. Yeah, self-awareness will help you with just about anything, any skill, any venture Absolutely. in life. right. And so being self-aware as I am and very aware of myself, let's bring this back around now that we're towards the end to me. Right. Okay. The advice you would have to me or someone like me at the end of the day, if I'm giving your best, what, what your advice would be, it'd be, <clears throat> let me get my Kreuler voice. <laughs> so you need to just be confident and you need to just look for these things and finish them quickly. And Sorry, that, no. that, that was like a, <laughs> a stupid drunk Batman. Yeah, no, no, you're not looking to do it. It's not, speed is irrelevant. <laughs> It's not how quick you do something, but it is taking advantage of the things you've acquired, right? You have all this knowledge, you have all this ability, you have all this very, very slick, your timing is very well. You enter these perfect setups, these perfect submissions, and then that's that. The person that said knowledge is power was not absolutely correct. Use of knowledge is power, right? You have all this wealth and ability, this wealth of knowledge and stability, and you get into these perfect setups where you could finish people, pull the trigger. If you miss it and you whiff and you lose control, gain it back, do it again. Because that'll give you practice in not losing control when you switch from controlling to submitting. That's all very helpful. And I know I will benefit from this. Hopefully other people will. And what method of payment do you prefer for this $250? Do you prefer PayPal, Venmo, Apple Pay? Any, any of those is fine. Any of those, just straight up cash? That's fine. Are you up for bartering? I have a, <laughs> I have a, there's a fan in the corner there. It, it works. It works very well. It's maybe 10 years old, but just think of cash value, maybe $20. All right, we're, we're down to 2.30. So we're down to 2.30. <laughs> okay, I'll start looking around the house and some stuff. Well, just get back to me. It doesn't matter. I'll get back to you. Okay, right. so so that wraps up. Anything else you have on that note? Nope, that's, that should be it. Okay, we'll finish up with just a quick quick question. We'll do a quick little fun question. Who is your ideal dinner guest? Living or dead? Damn. Living or dead, you could have them... The assumption is if they're dead, they would be eating with you living. You could say, I'd like to have this person with me just dead. Okay. So, um, how long of a, how long of a dinner is this? Is this like a quick, like, let's grab a bite to eat at this place? Or is it like, no. well, let's sit down and have a conversation and share a drink and, and eat food. And well, let's, let's say time together. Cause that have, makes a difference. Yeah. Let's say you have three hours and then three this person, hours. this person has a babysitter that they have to go. They have to go. Okay. All right. So that's no. three hours to be with this person that are alive. Who do I want to talk to and kind of appreciate, man, there's so yeah. many people What's, like, what kind of food would you have with this person? Depends who it is. Okay. All right. Let's start off there. Who, uh, that's tough, man. Like you put okay. him in a corner. Like I, this is very claustrophobic. Well, let's ima imagine, 
imagine it this way. You're, you are sleeping at night and someone shakes you and says, Crawler! And it, it, it's a man who looks like a wizard. He has a big white beard uh-huh. and he goes, I am here for just 10 seconds, but I can bring a dinner guest of your choice. You must say it now. Boom, who pops out? Four, three, <laughs> I, two. I, there's so many people. Like, what? I can go from, like, you know, Alexander the Great to Attila the Hun. <laughs> you know. Alexander the Great's in okay, front of you now. Because cool. that's what you said is the, t- is the magical time. I mean, now. I could have kept going. There's so many people. Alexander the Great's in front of you. What do you have for dinner? Probably some Italian food. Is there an Italian dish you have in mind? I didn't say this before, but I should now. You have to prep the dinner. No, there's no Italian dish in mind. <laughs> okay, if all right, you have to prep the dinner for Alexander the Great. What are you making him? If I have to make it, yeah, probably like, you know like seared tuna and seared tuna steak with. So basically, what vegetables. you would want? Yeah. yeah. All right, but to be fair, you're my good, guess. To be fair, you're, you are good at making that. Yeah. So Alexander the Great's at your dinner table. You have seared tuna. Do you have what, what kind of sides do you have yeah, like, with him? Like you can have vegetables. You can have. A salad, you have soup, you can have potatoes, depends on how you make it. Do you have wine with him or do you say, hey, listen, a lot has changed in the alcohol game since you've been around. Can I make you a drink? Absolutely, because if I have three hours, we can try all sorts of different drinks. Yeah, I, I think you would be. I think you'd be really surprised by some yeah. of the stuff, like a Moscow Mule or a. Or sure. A, you could make him a White Russian, and Something he'd be like, like that, "What is right. this milky substance?" Right. Yeah. So you guys have dinner. No. Do you have music in the background? No. It's just it's just silence if, with the. If the point is to to get to know this person and talk to them, then I wouldn't need music. Yeah, so yeah, but sometimes music like loosens things up, so you don't have just yeah, the awkward. That's always another degree. I don't want to get necessarily too loose with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. So, so I mean, man, you guys might be a bad team because he would start planning some type of conquering and you you would instigate it you would say like yes yes this is what i've been waiting for um and all right so you guys have dinner you determine whatever drinks are you like fanboying out or are you gonna try to like play it cool and just be no no not fanboying out i don't necessarily fanboy over guys like alexander the great you know or any of these great philosophers socrates and any of these people that necessarily fan out but it would be infinitely interesting and, and, and beneficial to just pick somebody's mind like that. Now, what would you do if he said, quick, please tell me, what is my empire like these days? How is Macedonia? Is that, is it the jewel <laughs> of the world? Would you, would it's you, not. <laughs> would, would you tell him that or just skim over what and What would just, you think I would do? You'd just tell him. Yeah, I would just tell him. <laughs> yeah. As your friend, I'm going to do everything I can to set that dinner up. You do that. I will. But for, for for now, that's it, everyone. We hope you had a good time listening. We hope you learned something. I know I did. And we will see you in a week. Goodbye. Are you going to say goodbye? Goodbye. God, you're just such, <laughs> so rude to these people.